This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. I'm going to be your host this week. This is Manisha Pandey. Abhinandan is away. He's in the US. He's in Michigan. And some of our subscribers are even going to meet him there. So he's not going to be here this week. So you shall have to suffer me as your host. We have a very interesting panel this week. I'll introduce our ghar ki murgis first. <laughs> so we have Raman Kirpal here Hi. with us. Anand Vardhan. Hello. Jayashree from Chennai. Hi. And TR Vivek is our special guest today. Hi, welcome. Hi, Manisha. Hi. You're Great in Bangalore. You're in Bangalore, right? Yes, I'm in Bangalore. So, Vivek is a journalist and an entrepreneur. He's also the editor and co-founder of The Plate, which is a new digital media platform focused on food and agriculture, understanding India from the farm to plate. He's worked with the Economic Times, India Today Group, Outlook, Business Standard, Open Magazine, and he's also co-authored the book Cricket and Commerce, IPL and Inside Story. And uh, for our subscribers... We still get letters, Vivek, saying that Kaveri was their favorite NL Sena story. So a lot of our old-time subscribers would be very familiar with your byline at least. And they still talk about what a that's, lovely... Uh, that, that's very sweet. And in fact, uh, uh, that, that that very story laid the foundations of, uh, of the plate. Hmm. So uh, why don't we start with that? Please tell us a bit about the plate. Uh, why have you decided to start this media venture, which is going to be focusing on food and agriculture? Right. Um, you remember this 1940 uh, wartime speech that Churchill made? Churchill obviously had a very clever turn of phrase and he said, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, having spent about 25 years in uh, various Indian newsrooms, uh, I was compelled to think uh, you know, never in the field of Indian journalism was so little written about a business so vital to sustaining life. And mm. um, that was uh, indeed food and agriculture. And uh, in the course of uh, actually doing the Kaveri uh, set of stories, mm. uh, I decided that, that you know, uh, uh, food and agriculture is perhaps the most important uh, uh, sector in India, which uh, which goes uncovered. And uh, I must uh, sort of dedicate dedicate all the journalistic energies I have left uh, in that area. So you know that was the starting point for for the plate. The the idea is uh, uh, you know there is a there is a huge information vacuum. Uh, the media hardly covers agriculture. You know it is it is, it, it covers agriculture in what I would call an episodic manner. Uh, you know, uh, reporters parachute into hotspots where, you know, farmers may be committing uh, suicide or there may be farmer protests or some kind of agitation uh, that is sparked off. But there is no sustained engagement uh, with the sector. Hmm. Uh, and if you, if you look around the newsrooms, uh, you know, there are hardly any people now, any reporters who cover it as a beat. At best, it is lumped, uh, you know, into the commodities basket. You know, there'll be a commodity reporter or a commodity editor, and there are probably sixty-six commodities, including crude oil, and agriculture is just one of them. Uh, so that being the case, you know, this kind of media apathy, uh, we felt that it 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 wasn't it wasn't right. So uh, it, it is an effort to correct that. So I have a couple of questions on this, but before we get into a full-fledged conversation on agriculture and what your platform hopes to do, and we can have a little bit of discussion on how the media reports on agriculture and farmers, 
Uh, there are a couple of announcements, two announcements. One is that we have our NL Sana project for Karnataka elections up. Atul and I are going to be traveling there. Pratik and Sumedha are also going to hit the ground. So you can check out NL Sena slash Karnataka hyphen elections 2023 and contribute an amount that you'd like to. And if you're in Bangalore, we're going to be there and hopefully we'll have a subscribers meet too. So we can all meet up. And of course, feel free to send us ideas and places that you'd like us to cover for this election. We also have a legal fund up. Uh, we've been granted an interim relief by the Supreme Court in the IT department case. But we have seven other ongoing cases and we've spent about 36 lakh in total legal fees. So we have an NL legal fund up. Um, so you can check that out also and contribute. And uh, I think let's get the headlines first, Jayashree, and then we can get into our conversations. Yeah. So here are the headlines for the week. Tamil Nadu Chief Minister M.K. Stalin convened the first conference of the All India Federation for Social Justice this week. It was virtually attended by 20 parties. It was attended by people like Ashok Gelot, Heman Saren, Tejasvi Yadav, Akhilesh Yadav, Farooq Abdullah, Derek O'Brien, D. Raja, Sanjay Singh and Sita Ram Yachuri. Hmm. So the main demand is that the central government conduct a caste census. Uh, paragraphs on attempts by Hindu extremists to assassinate Gandhi and the ban imposed on the RSS after are amongst texts dropped by the NCERT from its new textbooks. The Indian Express had a very impactful front page, which I'm sure we all saw. It happened five months ago. The changes were made five months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, Express had done a series of stories uh, on this. And uh, the, the latest one where uh, they have... This is specific because they did not in 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 uh, the changes made earlier. They had announced that we are rationalizing the content, yeah. but in this particular case, they did not announce it and they just uh, introduced the changes. And the rationalizing exercise is basically uh, uh, it was carried out five. I mean, the details of it were put out five months ago, like Raman said, and the idea was that students were having a hard time coping with. Uh, studies and their syllabus because of COVID. So it was thought that we could cut down on some unimportant stuff right. so to make it easy for them. But it wasn't sure that it was going to be permanent. But now it seems like this is going to be the syllabus for now. Yeah. And NCRT's justification for not uh, notifying these changes is that it was an oversight. Oversight. Mm. China has released a list of places in Arunachal Pradesh that it has now renamed. India's response is we reject this outright. And Arunachal Pradesh is an integral alienable part of India. Hmm. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court quashed the central government's telecast ban on Malayalam news channel Media One. The court said the government must renew the channel's broadcast permissions within four weeks. That's a very important judgment uh, so far as the media is concerned. I'm very happy to see that for a change, I mean, something which goes against the present government, almost all the uh, newspapers have carried it as lead on the front page. Yeah. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Narendra Modi has said the CBI should take action against the corrupt, no matter how powerful, without any hesitation. But the Supreme Court has also refused to entertain a petition by 14 opposition parties, alleging the centre is misusing agencies like the CBI and ED. Hmm. The Gujarat High Court on Friday quashed a 2016 order that asked Gujarat University to provide details on PM Modi's educational qualifications to Arvind Kejriwal. The court also fined Kejriwal 25,000 and told him he's made a mockery of the RTI Act. I think they are safeguarding Modi's education better than they're safeguarding our borders. <laughs> a Surat court on Monday granted bail to Congress leader Rahul Gandhi in a criminal defamation case. In Uttar Pradesh, 36 years after 72 Muslims were killed during communal violence in Meerut, 
a court last week acquitted all 39 persons in the case. I think the original complaint had been against 93, of which 23 had died. The remaining 31 could not be traced. So the trial finally went out against 39. Also in Gujarat, the court acquitted 27 people accused of murder and gang rape during the 2002 riots. On the same day in Bihar, Home Minister Amit Shah talked about instant justice, saying we will hang the rioters upside down if we form the government with, full, with a full majority. Hmm. Coming from the Home Minister. After an IPS officer in Tamil Nadu was suspended for over allegations of custodial torture, the State IPS Officers Association has accused the media of covering the issue in a selective manner. IPS officer Balbi Singh was suspended after he was accused of, among other things, pulling out the teeth of accused with pliers. I think this we can discuss in some detail. Hmm. An Indian family from Gujarat is among the eight people found dead at the US-Canada border. They were allegedly trying to enter the US without travel documents. Our, um... Reporting project on this from Gujarat is up. Part one of it is up. Basant has done, he's traveled across villages in North Gujarat where he's spoken to families who have relatives in the US who've left without papers. So he's kind of looked at this phenomena a little bit. So you can check that out. It's on YouTube and on the website. Over 20 people were injured as communal violence broke out across several cities during Ramnavami processions this week. The violence was reported in states like Maharashtra, Bihar, West Bengal, Delhi, Gujarat, Telangana and Uttar Pradesh. At least 54 people have been arrested. A 35-year-old Muslim man was killed. Two of his associates were assaulted, allegedly by cow vigilantes, on suspicion of cattle theft in Karnataka. And former US President Donald Trump has pleaded not guilty after a New York grand jury indicted him on charges related to hush money payments during the 2016 presidential election. And those are the headlines. Um, you know, it's not a sector that is being covered in the way that it should, as in it's episodic. But I think that agriculture also, I mean, if you could call it that, Krishi Darshan was probably our first journalistic endeavor in that sense where uh, there was a product made specially to cater to farmers. So there's two aspects to it. One is you report for your farmers, you know, for the for the industry, so to speak, for the sector, so to speak. And then, of course, there's, you know, uh, other stuff that you do. And in fact, a lot of young journalist students who join newsrooms, they have very romantic notions about covering agriculture, going to the hinterland. There's a certain sort of prestige attached. Romanticism attached to it. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, interesting that you brought up uh, hmm. Krishi Darshan. I think, you know, Krishi, Krishi Darshan, in fact, has contributed to this image problem around agriculture being a rather boring sector. Hmm. You know, um, agriculture, uh, our, uh, our perception of, of the sector falls between two stools, you know. Either it is like a very boring uh, Meena Kumari BP film, Hamesha Rona Dhona Chalta. Hmm. Or, you know, Krishi Darshan type. So, kuch boring chal raha hai Or it is romanticized as, you know, farmers are romanticized as Annadata. Then we have slogans like Jai Jawan and Jai Kisan. You know, there is almost no middle ground. You know, there is no rational look at this as a... $630 billion sector, which contributes 18% to our economy, employing half of our workforce. Uh, one of the problems is, you know, in, in media, our presentational techniques and uh, how we approach this is, is quite uh, bonkers, you know. Uh, when we do even write about agriculture, uh, it is mostly through op-ed pages, you know, Ashok Gulati writing for uh, Ashok Dalwai or Harish Damodaran. Some of them may be friends, but you know those are inaccessible things. Those those are experts talking to experts. Hmm. Uh, you know, there seems to be, to my mind, a growing distance between 
producers of food and consumers of uh, you know you can call it india or india and bharat if that is the case there is there is very little likelihood of any conversation or empathy between these two groups therefore you know um, when we talk about farmers crisis we have absolutely no tools to make sense of why there is a crisis and what can we do about it but if you have to sum up for our <laughs> listeners why there is a crisis because it's a huge topic also and especially right, if you and, want to look at the farm laws again, hmm. let me give you an example uh, farm laws okay the agitation etc uh, you know do we have adequate tools to make sense of what the farm laws are saying or what they intend to do our responses are reductionist if we like mr modi we think that you know farm laws are going to transform the landscape of india if we happen to dislike him we think that you know this, this is the absolute death knell for indian agriculture where ambani and adani are going to gobble it up hmm. i remember the hindu used to have a supplement maybe in the 90s or early 2000s about agriculture but even that i, I they used to have it once a week along with the science and technology supplement I'm not sure if anyone else remembers. No, But even no. that, I mean, they try to talk about new technology available to farmers, new cropping techniques. But I guess as a layperson, it didn't really. Uh, yeah. They were unable to sort of make it appealing enough for someone to understand it. In the press has did means did bits about it that uh, um, if there are adverse weather conditions which are going to hamper the crops, they sound a bigle. Mm-hmm. and uh, mm, they sometimes say in uh, a small boxes on the inform about the rates in the mand- in mandis mm-hmm. and occasionally uh, i don't know if they have a fixed periodicity but occasionally there is a column here and there about uh, uh, some agriculture issue also there is a, uh, uh, an expert answering some of the readers questions on mm-hmm. crops so it's so, again uh, yeah. catering to farmers as the audience mm-hmm. but reading. it's uh, it's not very regular i think mm-hmm. uh, bhaskar had it for few years uh, now they have it or not i don't know uh, means bhaskar if i recall correctly bhaskar had hindustan also has it mm-hmm. one question i had of vivek was uh, what do you think of this whole millets push that uh, the modi government is getting into it's the year of the uh, millets right and yeah, uh, is, and millets is going to be yeah millets is going to be the new yoga apparently i'm very happy with that because i love eating millets i think everyone should replace rice and atta with ragi and madhwa we get madhwa in uttarakhand so i, I really like that but how uh, what do you think of it what are the obstacles and already you have some reports coming in for example like up uh, they've said that we're going to you know take at least 17% of the right rice production and give it to millets so there's going to be that uh what do you think of this idea and wh- where where are we realistically in terms of pushing it in a big global way like maybe a, a phenomena after yoga it's a very laudable and necessary push if you ask me uh you know i don't think this can be compared to yoga but because you know there is a significant you know uh, domestic need for it you know there's a domestic imperative you know it is not just a, a projection of soft power uh you know this is this is actually a response to uh, a lot of uh, you know ecological issues that we are facing nutritional challenges uh, that we are facing and uh, and i i think it's it's quite laudable but there are several issues you know you spoke about uh, the up government saying that you know we will give 17% of the land from 
rice to ragi or whatever farmers don't respond to marketing campaigns they respond to you know economic incentives uh, but in terms of a global demand is there one for millets like is there is there at no not really not really where it is just um, millets uh, only india and africa consume millets in in any significant uh, amount uh, uh, ragi again finger millet is is, is quite finger millet uh, sorghum jowar and bajra are quite big in africa as well but that's the image problem you know it has always been considered a famine crop you know it's a subsistence it, it used to be a subsistence crop because if you don't have access to water or good soil actually ragi can grow uh, with 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 half an inch of top soil it's that resilient and uh, you know to produce a kilo of rice you perhaps need 5 to 6000 liters of water uh, for millets it's as little as 4 to 500 liters So, so they're yeah, very resilient and hardy, which is why they're called superfoods, and and which is why I'm excited with this marketing campaign because it's 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 a step in the right direction in terms of both nutrition and sustainability. But you got to make it attractive for the farmers also, for them to want to shift That away. That is the challenge. Them. You know, yeah. see, India talks about millets. Okay, now the thing is, the supply is so little. India yeah. is one of the largest producers, but if you look at the millet basket, we produce about. Uh, 16 million tons of millets that's it you know in a in a food grain uh, overall basket of about 320 million tons we have about 16 million tons of of millets what can you do with that even if you even if tomorrow everyone wanted to shift to ragi there is simply not enough supply i always wanted as a reporter i always wanted to report about agriculture of course from antisaze uh, initially but i got opportunity as and when you know agriculture was in news i remember in 90s uh tomatoes were over 100 rupees kg so how i went to somewhere in rajasthan junjunwala or somewhere where the tomato supply so i chased a farmer lived with the farmer went to the mandi and 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 came with those tomatoes you know to delhi and so that how it becomes from 5 rupees to 100 rupees 100 So, so it was very fascinating. And besides that, I think I was with the Express, and Express used to have. I don't know. Uh, I read Express regularly, but I think I have not been noticing. But they had a fortnight page on rural, uh, with special focus on farmers and agriculture. So I remember. So they used to have a page. It was quite a good page. Ah, fifteen. On Thursdays, it. Ah, on Thursdays. So every fortnight. uh they 15 days they used to have a, i remember when i was posted in uh, jammu and kashmir so i for the first time reported on apple hmm. cultivation and then i i when i was in lucknow so again there i because i always wanted to contribute to that page hmm. so that page i always uh, used to like Uh, in so, fact, uh, uh, I I had started a weekly podcast on agriculture and agri business when I was at uh, Business Line. So uh, the name of the podcast was actually inspired by that page, you know, mm-hmm. and I called it uh, Field Notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it may or it was just copied from notes from the field that Express ran. And we're you know we're going to have elections soon, twenty twenty four. uh and modi government is going to be assessed on how it has been for farmers how it's been for agriculture so if you were to assess the government and also we don't really see that as a big talking point right for the bjp when they do talk about the achievements and stuff like that you don't really the the district pds we talk about 
and we hear leaders making speeches on that we rarely see them ever talk about what they've done for farmers at least it's not really publicized that much so, no uh, uh, as vivek said and i have also been saying it that uh, as a political constituency uh, farming community is very fragmented and it does not coalesce into a very vibrant uh, political force that uh, uh, is uh, very attractive for um, political wing so uh, because uh, of so many groups which are within them and also their diverse interests across regions so a single kind of program or policy to appeal to a national farming community mm. is just a figment of imagination in political discourse i don't think that happening mm. so it was a virtual conference they all sat around on zoom or uh, they used a lot of catchphrases like there's no time to sit on the fence we need to come together it's time for unity you know the usual sort of spiel they um emphasized the need for a caste census which is great or uh, they pointed out that the results of the 2011 caste census which is the first one done since 1931 has still not been released they talked about the murder of social justice in karnataka due to the scrapping of the muslim quota they criticized ews i think dmk is one of the few parties that's gone to the supreme court petitioning against it hmm. okay so for me this one meeting in isolation changes nothing um it's just that every meeting and every stage that is shared and issues that are that opposition leaders unite for is a small step towards a greater alliance which which we know um but i think not even the dmk let alone the media here are treating it like some huge vital significant event it's not like the media is obsessed with it it didn't grab eyeballs and headlines and even the dmk was not treating it in that way in its social media posts it was fairly matter of fact about the idea that the meeting took place for me the thing is that So Stalin has ties with Pillai Vijayan with uh, Jagan Mohan Reddy with KCR even to with KGTWAL to an extent the congress is of course an ally in Tamil Nadu so this makes him sort of you know an asset hmm. but i think there are fundamental differences in the outlook because Stalin has repeatedly warned against a third front he says it only serves to strengthen the bjp he says it's pointless to discuss the idea yeah, of a third that front. was on during his birthday when he said right at the birthday yeah. meet he said there's no point yeah. discussing a third front on his birthday he said 2024 is um, he said 2024 is not about who should rule but about who shouldn't rule hmm. so what this means is that such a coalition will not keep up the congress now anand can also talk about this because he wrote about it in length but in the south the cpim especially would possibly be reluctant to join a congress yeah. front as will the aap as will the tmc even for so, brs congress is you know arrival yeah, even for jagan's exactly. party their principal life so i think it's great to see these sort of shows of unity to see 14 opposition parties coming together and petitioning the supreme court which then threw out their petition which is a whole other story but as to what sort of tangible steps he's are taking towards the future i don't know i do think stalin would be an important player i think he would like to be an important player in any form of um opposition for 2024 and i think he has the wherewithal in the south to make that happen but also i do think if you're talking about national faces of of an opposition alliance i think stalin is too alien for a lot of hindi speaking states as in bihar the question the it's a, uh, it may be an intra um, alliance thing also the consolidation of uh, the legacy of lohiite politics i would not go into that that would be very uh, state specific but coming to this uh, 
See, as uh, is obvious, two kind of alliances, opposition alliances can take form. One would fe- can feature uh, Congress in the lead role, other will not, mm-hmm. or will have a marginal role for it, or will have a very situational role for it. So, uh, the thinking of the first kind of alliance would be that uh, support us where we are strong and we will support you where you are strong. Mm. So uh, that uh, in Congress, the kind of uh, thinking that Congress has till now, that does not suit Congress uh, for the simple reason that it would also ask it to vacate those grounds where it would be in a rebuilding phase or uh, it would give a ground for, say, uh, if AAP and TMC, they have grown at the expense of Congress. So yeah. they, they would not uh, want a, co- a Congress-led front for the simple reason that uh, they would uh, want that vacant space more, to grow more, like in the national challenger space. If that uh, space is up for grabs, then there would be multiple players and they can think of, say, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line. But if they give Congress that primacy back, that, yes, you are the default national challenger to the dominant power structure that is now, then uh, we are accepting that uh, it is uh, among uh, among the challengers, it's not the race for the uh, race is not among the equals. So uh, that is a very classic dilemma. But uh, the uh, anti, say, incumbency forces also see that the divergence law is uh, uh, in a, um, say, bi- uh, bipartisan poly- polity. They would be in a more powerful sh- situation if they somehow have a synergy of forces so that the vote split is minimized. I think this uh, this meeting at Chennai, I, by any stretch of imagination, it doesn't show that all the entire opposition has come on one platform, and they're going to. Con- that is not certainly not an indication. I think perhaps uh, this meeting at Chennai, which they uh, have organized it pretty well, uh, uh, if it comes to say di- digitally speaking, I mean. They simultaneously, you know, they started WhatsApp groups. They included the journalists. Like mm-hmm. my name is there in the, I was DNA editor, so my name is there in the Rajya Sabha record. So they have included me also. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, for publicity, for giving information and uh, also the kind of people. So I think they, instead of, uh, they are just raised one issue that if, all of us can rally around social justice and the issues of social justice and federalism. Yeah, we can uh, fight out against BJP, and we can just uh, in twenty twenty four, if we just rally around these two issues. And once we rally around these two issues, and then of course, I think it is a uh, elections. The voting pattern is very different. You know, from so far as the issues are concerned, so I so so I don't think it is. Uh, still, we can say that the opposition is hmm. uh, on one platform. 
Yeah, I feel like they're just Ravan says right. Like they're just picking issues that are easy to rally around. Hmm. It's uh, these are things that most of these parties sort of align with, and the demand for a caste census, which is very important. Hmm. So it's not really that they're looking at issues that voters are sort of going to vote on in 2024 as a preliminary sort of see we agree on these, these three things. things. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's really like the only sort of now they're trying to telegraph. So in other news coming from Chennai, there's this. case of a gruesome um custodial torture by a police officer including yeah. like our headline said uh, pulling out teeth with pliers and the ips has said that this has been there's been selective reporting on this so what aspects of it are they saying is selective and if you could just give briefly our listeners a little bit of a background on what exactly this case pertains to and where it where is it at at this point so the tamil nadu ips officer association has come out strongly in favor of it they're saying that he is a cop the media is reporting on these things even pending an investigation therefore the media must exercise discretion until the investigation is done hmm. now the thing is that the state government i mean stalin has said in the assembly that you know the the singh has been um suspended six other officers have been sent on leave um and they are investigating the case but an fir has not been registered the cctv footage from the police stations was only collected about 10 days after all this happened now as of today they're saying the cctv footage has gone missing like of mm-hmm. course so my issue here is the custodial violence is rampant it doesn't matter who's in power it doesn't matter if other states are bad or worse in tamil nadu um, 400 and 78 deaths have been recorded in judicial and police custody in the last 6 years not all these deaths are due to police excess but a lot of them are and the reports that we're reading like this are only are only the a very few that sort of make it to the headlines for example the tutukudi custodial deaths that we had also reported on yeah. uh, for news laundry that, that was just one barbaric event that sort of caught the media's attention and it led to deaths so i think that's when it really kind of blows out Yeah. Whereas on a regular basis, people are paraded with broken arms. The cops will say they slipped in the bathroom. I mean, only a fool would think that these are not beatings as a matter of course. And it's only when an exceptionally sadistic cop like Singh, who sounds like a sadist, if the allegations against him are true, then we hear about it in the media. But I feel like this is a horrific reality of the criminal justice system in Tamil Nadu. There is no political will to stop this in Tamil Nadu or in. India, the mm. like the policing is a mess globally. No, but I, mean, I feel like in India, especially violence, intimidation, custodial torture are components and very essential components of policing. Like you cannot yeah. police without violence. And, and I think very accepted so, also. I, I think most you know even in popular culture, or whatever it's it's okay to you know. Yeah, it's a joke. I mean, it's a like bit of a. I mean, no one's whacked. waterboarding people, but but it's still yeah. kind of accepted that you kind of beat. someone out of you know form for yeah, a confession or get them get to the truth of the case is hardly a cause of comment right when or could be like oh my god this happened because of course it happened we comment on yeah. it if it didn't happen yeah. and in tamil nadu there is a wild and long history of this kind of brutality all of you listening in the chota hafta do subscribe so you can listen to the entire hafta we will see you again next week with the hafta till then subscribe pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served and advertisers pay advertisers are served thank you Goodbye. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
and subscribe to our YouTube channel.